Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 what's going on guys welcome to the upper hand fantasy podcast this is for us siddiqui now i know i know what you're thinking well i only know if you're, what you're thinking if you listen to the podcast normally uh but yes there was no running back podcast yesterday i apologize I'm putting it all into one, running backs and wide receivers for week five. Um, Want to go over the starts, desperate starts, uh, guys you need to temper your expectations on, and guys that I'm sitting. Not too many guys that I'm just absolutely sitting, right? That's why I add those other categories there, um, you know, because it, it's, it's a lot of gray out there, right? It's not black and white with most of these decisions. So, yeah, I mean, this week my day job has been a little bit crazy, and, and no, I don't do fantasy football for a living not yet at least that's the vision right that's why i do this so that potentially over the years after some time i could kind of transition from my day job to fantasy football uh you know however i may do that but um but yeah that's the goal eventually but you know sometimes i i have to realize that it's tough for me <laughs> because of how much content i would have, i want to put out you know uh every single day for fantasy football it's a little tough, you know, when, uh, you know, priorities kind of set in with the actual day job. And if you're wondering, I'm a software engineer, uh, you know, full time. Um, but I try to make the fantasy football stuff as as, as full time as possible. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I do treat fantasy football as, you know, a full time job. Uh, but I have to realize what pays the bills, right? And that's kind of how I have to deal with it. But, you know, this was like a rare circumstance where, you know, work really, really comes in the way um, to that extent. And during the season, it's tough, right? There's so much content and so much stuff to, to put out uh, that, you know, you, you, you got to do your best. And that's what I'm trying to do. All right. So getting right into it, let's let's go for it. So let's start with the running back starts for this week. And by the way, um, I have all of these start sets and all that on the website at upperhandfantasy.com. So you can always go check that out. Like if you heard something here um, and then you're like, wait, what did you say about this guy? You could just go to the website, upperhandfantasy.com. It's it's pretty much the same content uh, that I kind of spit out to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so you could go check that out. Uh, it's all in written form. And that's how I try to like diverse my, my content strategy a little bit. Um, you know, however you want to kind of consume it, you can. You, you can do that. Okay, so, uh, running backs. James Conner, Jalen Samuels. Now, Baltimore isn't the same defense it was after losing some key pieces this past offseason. They're giving up 5.4 yards per carry for the season. 
Um, you know, last week, obviously, Nick Chubb had a huge game, 165 yards on 20 carries. Even Dontrell Hilliard was able to gain 27 yards on six carries. The week prior, LaShawn McCoy, Darrell Williams, Darrell Williams, I still don't know how to say it, uh, but it doesn't matter because Damian's back this week. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, those two guys took a combined 17 carries for 116 yards. Um, the Ravens have also given up the most rushing touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, each of those running backs that I just mentioned, they grabbed three receptions each. So Connor, he should be in lineups this week. Um, obviously, the only potential downside for Connor moving forward is that there isn't as much weekly volume for the entire backfield, especially, you know, because of Samuels right now. And, you know, the way that he touched the ball last week, if he continues to do that at a similar percentage, then obviously Connor's going to take a little bit of a hit, uh, you know, in not-so-ideal matchups. Now, as far as Samuels go, I think he's more of a desperate start. Uh, but I wanted to talk about him, you know, with Connor. Um, now, if you watched last week, Samuels was heavily involved in the game plan. Um, both him and Connor had 18 touches each. Um, and, you know, you, you just hope, if you have him, you hope that he'll be involved this week uh, in a good matchup at home. Uh, but if you play him... Obviously, he's a risk since we don't know if he'll be as involved as he was. Uh, it could have been a game plan thing, you know, specifically for the Bengals, uh, you know, while Mason Rudolph kind of takes it slow. But we'll see. Um, just know if you have him in your lineup, it's a little risky. But, hey, listen, I think Connor definitely, I mean, I'm sorry, Samuels definitely has some upside, uh, especially in PPR leagues. David Montgomery finally has a good matchup, you know, <laughs> at least once we know that he's the guy in the backfield. Uh, 24 touches last week. We have to assume that Chicago's defense is going to keep Oakland in check. Uh, and then on the offensive side, just to feed Montgomery on offense, you know, with Chase Daniel under center. Matt Nagy, you know, that he's the only variable here, right? He's so unpredictable. You know, something as straightforward as this matchup and just feeding Montgomery might not be so straightforward to him. He might want to get a little fancy. Uh, but, you know, like when you look at this matchup on a per-carry basis, basis, Oakland hasn't been that bad against the run. But... With Montgomery getting 24 touches last week, I'm going to follow that volume. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. I think both of these guys should be viable um, in, you know, in Gordon's first real game back this year. Like, Ezekiel Elliott came back from his holdout. We saw the Cowboys take it slow, and, and it's smart, right? You don't want the, these guys to, you know, pull any any hamstrings or any other, get any, soft, any other soft tissue injuries. Uh, I think Eckler is obviously in much better game shape than Gordon right now, and this can easily be a... 50-50 split, and it could easily be in the favor uh, of Eckler, too. I, I think this matchup is great. Um, you know, Denver just gave up 225 rushing yards to Fournette last week. They also lost Bradley Chubb, which is a huge hit to that defensive front. Denver has really, you know, they've been good preventing running backs from catching the ball. You know, they've given up the least reception so far this year to the position. Um, and that's kind of a lot, you know, how Gordon and Eckler kind of make their hay. Uh, but I think these two should produce enough volume uh, each to return RB2 numbers. Okay, Aaron Jones, uh, the split in week three was obviously tough. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones got like all the work in week two. Week three came, it was split down the middle with Aaron Jones getting the goal line work. Um, and Aaron Jones all, pretty much had all the opportunity last week because of Jamal Williams, uh, you know, concussion and injury early in that game. Uh, but for Aaron Jones, touchdowns, receptions, or, or saving his fantasy days, uh, this week, Jamal Williams might not play with his concussion, you know, after that brutal hit. So, you know, if that happens, Jones should see a lot of opportunity. I think the Cowboys' run defense isn't as daunting as it was last season. Uh, we know Matt LaFleur is going 
to try to run the ball no matter what. Jones will get enough opportunity without Williams that he has to be in lineups this week, uh, obviously, if Williams doesn't play. So um, if Williams miraculously miraculously makes his way out of the concussion protocol, I would downgrade Jones just a bit. Okay, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, uh, and I mentioned Damian Williams getting that full practice on a Wednesday, so that's a great sign that he'll be active on Sunday night. Uh, you know, Darrell Williams will luckily take a backseat to Damian and McCoy, uh, you know, with them taking over as the one-two punch in this backfield. So both, I think, are very startable. Uh, I think Damian Williams is a preferred start in PPR. Uh, both will likely play near the goal line, you know, depending on how versatile they want to be. We've seen both of these guys uh, get goal line opportunities. So the Colts, you know, with the Colts allowing five yards per carry this year, uh, with how potent the Chiefs' offense is, I think both of these guys are very startable as RB2s. Marlon Mack isn't practicing yet, uh, but I wouldn't count him out for Sunday night's game just yet. Uh, this matchup is great. The Chiefs have given up 509 rushing yards over the first four games, which happens to be the fourth highest in the league. So you know, imagine how many yards they'd be given up to on the ground if they didn't like have these big leads in most of their games. Assuming he plays, Mack should be able to get it done against this defense with some volume. Uh, the total on this game is 56.5, so there will be some scoring on both sides of the ball. If Mack doesn't play with his injury, I think Naheem Hines has some PPR value in the second half if the Colts are down. And, you know, they're going to likely attempt to run the ball with Jordan Wilkins before the game potentially gets out of hand. So I think both these guys are potential starts. I do lead Naheem Hines in PPR leagues. Okay, Tevin Coleman, if he plays, he's a good start at home against Cleveland. I think... The outside zone zone scheme has proved wonders uh, with Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, and basically anybody who uh, lines up in that backfield. Um, Coleman is a favorite of Mike Sh- of Kyle Shanahan, and unlike Breida, you know will likely gain control of most red zone touches, including goal line opportunities. Now Jeff Wilson, you know we he scored twice in back to back games, and Coleman has an opportunity to have value in all facets, the run game, the pass game, and goal line opportunities, even if it's a committee with Brita. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson probably will be inactive uh, when Coleman, is, you know, is is ready to play. Now, Brita will likely have the same value he did without Coleman, you know, 12 to 15 efficient touches per game, but he just won't get any goal line work. Okay, moving on to wide receivers that I like this week. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, his volume has been decreasing every week. Uh, but with Christian Kirk, Demir Bird likely out this week, I think Fitzgerald definitely gets a big bump. He'll, you know, I, I can see 10 plus targets easily against Cincinnati. Calvin Ridley hasn't had the best matchups lately, but we need to be back in on him this week against Houston. He lines up primarily on Jonathan Joseph's side of the field, and that's where we want him to be. Houston, in general, has given up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers on the perimeter. Um, Jonathan Joseph, in particular, has been giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers running routes against him out of the three corners in Houston. So that's who you want to go up against. I think I saw Scott Barrett you know, tweet out something today uh, where Jonathan Joseph is, I think, fifth in most yards allowed, most receiving yards allowed in coverage. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> so... Uh, I think Ridley and Julio Jones are going to eat. Now, Mohamed Sanu had 10-plus targets last week, 11 targets I think it was. Uh, and if you're worried about him this week, Houston has been holding it down against slot wide receivers. So the guys on the outside, Julio and Ridley, do have the matchup advantage. John Brown has a great matchup against Malcolm, Malcolm Butler this week. 
Um, now, Brown does move around the formation a ton, but they're going to try and take advantage of Butler, uh, and we might see more than the average of 35% of John Brown's routes run on Butler's side. I, I would assume they want to take advantage of that a little bit more. Uh, Tennessee has allowed the fifth most fantasy points two wide receivers on Butler's side of the field. And even with Josh Allen out, I think John Brown should be okay. Matt Barkley targeted Brown five times after Allen left the game, and that's a 31% target share of Matt Barkley's throws. Uh, he wasn't even afraid to throw a long pass to Brown against Stephon Gilmore on his first attempt on the third down, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, first attempt of the game on a third down against Gilmore, and, and John Brown actually caught the ball. So that was pretty impressive. So I don't think he's going to be afraid uh, to, to throw it to John Brown. Allen Robinson, he's looked great this year. I think if it wasn't for circumstances out of his control, like his quarterback, you know, Matt Nagy getting cute with his play calling, I think he would likely be having a much bigger season than he is. Either way, I think he looked really good against Xavier Rhodes and the Vikings last week. I don't think Rhodes shattered him, uh, but, you know, he, he was on him for a lot of his routes. He has a great matchup in London this week against the Raiders. Oakland has given up top 12 fantasy points to wide receivers at every position, left left perimeter, right perimeter, slot, and it's a perfect matchup for Robinson because he lines up everywhere as well. They move him around a ton, uh, so this is a, a perfect matchup for him. Okay, Tyler Boyd, uh, obviously, you know, tough game last week on Monday night in a great matchup, uh, but he should be able to bounce back in another great matchup this week. Um, you know, I think Andy Dalton has just been absolute trash on, on you know, in primetime games. I, I don't know what it is, man, especially, and he was on the road too, but anyway, the Cardinals... This week, they're giving up the third most fantasy points to slot wide receivers. They're not going to have John Ross. Uh, so because of that, Boyd should get some volume in a, in a high pace game because the Cardinals do play at, at a heavy pace uh, as well. So, you know, Boyd, you know, he's due for a touchdown. He has the second highest touches in the league without a touchdown. So I think he's due. Brandon Cooks, he has been, you know, on the money since his dud in week one. Um... This week, he has a great matchup, primarily against Trey Flowers on the left side of the offense. He'll likely be targeted a ton, with the Seahawks giving up the 7th most fantasy points to wide receivers lining up on that side of the perimeter. On the other side and the slot, they've been relatively stout so far this year, You know, but obviously Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they can get it done in any matchup because of the, of the scheme that they're in. Uh, but I think Cooks has a favorable, favorable matchup out of the three. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, <laughs> you know, they're complaining, uh, you know, about the ball being thrown to them. Stefan Diggs wants to be traded. If you don't trust to start them in this matchup, you know, when will you ever, right? I think the Giants, you know, this could be a get-right game for them. Uh, they're, they're absolutely terrible against the pass, uh, especially on the perimeter, you know, where these two guys line up on a majority of their routes. The Giants are giving up the second most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers, so I would have these guys in my lineup. Even though this can turn into a run-heavy affair, you know, you kind of got to take that shot, I think, um, for that upside. You know, you saw what, you know, Mike Evans was able to do against them, right, on the perimeter. So, I just, I, I have to have these guys in my lineup this week, even though the volume hasn't been there. And, you know, Thielen and Diggs unhappy last, last week. You have two squeaky wheels. <laughs> so so we'll see if both of them uh you know can get theirs. Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, uh the, those guys should be in. I think Philip Dorsett is the more desperate option. 
Uh, but he has upside in this matchup. Washington gives up the fifth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers, which favors Josh Gordon and Philip Dorsett, and the tenth most to slot wide receivers, which favors Edelman and also Dorsett because he plays a handful of he plays a good amount of snaps in the slot as well. So this is a mismatch all around for Tom Brady, you know, and his wide receivers. So you know they they'll probably all be in in lineups this week. Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he can have his way with the Jets secondary. No word on whether Deshaun Jackson will play this week. Um, it doesn't look like it right now, but it can happen. Uh, the Jets have given up the six most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers, and they had a bye. You know what I mean? So, that, And that's a cumulative amount, so uh, that's not good. Uh, you know, Alshon runs 90% of his routes uh, from the perimeter, so I'm starting him this week as a wide receiver too. Okay, desperate starts at running back. Sonny Michelle, who knows how Michelle will be used this week. Washington's offense is in the middle of a lot of uncertainty at the moment. Uh, Jay Gruden refuses to name a starting quarterback as of Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, either way, the Patriots' defense can lock the Redskins' offense down. And because of that, they'll probably be able to move the ball in this offense, you know, in this defense pretty easily. Whether that means Michelle as their closer in the second half or it means he has some opportunities at the goal line, I think this would be the time to start him if you're going to start him. Uh, Rex Burkett was limited in practice all week prior to week four, right? So that could have affected Michelle getting his 17 carries last week. When Burkett was healthy against the Jets, Michelle only had nine carries. I'll play Michelle for the potential upside this week, but knowing the risk of Burkhead potentially being favored ahead of him, you kind of have to figure that out. Um, We'll see how that goes, but I guess Michelle is a start uh, this week if you really need the help. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders. I think Howard's a good start this week against the Jets team who will likely get blown out. Philly's favored by 13.5. We should see a lot of use between him and Miles Sanders, especially in the second half. With, with Howard's snaps taking, taking a bit of a leap last week and being the exclusive goal line back, I think he's a low-end RB2 with upside. As far as Sanders goes, he's had to depend on big plays to kind of get you those points, but the Jets aren't going to stop him <laughs> from doing that. I think he's like an RB3 flex option this week. Ronald Jones showed enough explosiveness and volume over the last two weeks to put him in the low-end RB2 conversation this week. Uh, the Saints are tough against the run, but he has upside if you need it in what should be a high-scoring game. Wide receivers that who are desperate, um, Auden Tate, 16 targets over the last two weeks, including an impressive 6 of 10 for 88 yards against a tough Buffalo defense uh, two weeks ago. Tyler Boyd is only out-targeting him by one over the last two games, and this was all with John Ross playing. So with Ross missing a month or so, I think Tate can have some value here uh, before either Ross or A.J. Green come back. Now, Byron Murphy, uh, where Tate lines up on most of his routes, has given up, you know, .37 fantasy points per route run against him. So if Tate continues to be targeted, he can return wide receiver three numbers. Nicole Harmon, Demarcus Robinson. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Matt Patricia and the Lions, they took a page out of the Patriots' defensive playbook, and they shadowed three wide receivers with three cornerbacks last week against the Chiefs, even with Darius Slay out. <laughs> so in shadow coverage, Robinson and Hardman combined for only 39 yards. Now, Indianapolis this week, they don't do that. They primarily play zone, and when they play man, it's hardly press coverage. So these two can take advantage, especially because of where they line up. Now, Watkins and Hardman play a majority of their snaps from the slot, where the Colts give up the 14th most fantasy points. Robinson 
runs routes primarily from the left perimeter, where the Colts are giving up the 11th most fantasy points. So Watkins is a wide receiver too. Harmon and Robinson are both flex plays with upside. Between Robinson and Harmon, I think Robinson is the better play. You know, since Harbin usually needs to depend on the long ball, and the Colts have been, you know, keeping everything in front of them for the most part this year. Sterling Shepard, uh, he's going to see a lot more snaps on the outside with Golden Tate returning to the lineup. He'll see a lot of Xavier Rhodes, but Rhodes hasn't particularly played well this year. The Vikings are actually giving up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers, so Shepard actually isn't a bad start this week. The Vikings are allowing the fourth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers this year. I mean, that's a little bit surprising. However, you know, because of the introduction of a legit pass catcher in Golden Tate coming this coming this week, the targets might not be as guaranteed for Sterling Shepard. As far as Golden Tate, though, I would love to have him on my bench uh, and watch the target distribution play out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of just playing him this week because we don't know what to expect. Um but, you know, if he's desperate, if you're desperate, I guess Golden Tate isn't the worst option. Robbie Anderson, uh, and, by, and by the way, just on Golden Tate again, like, it's not like, you know, last season when he got traded to Philly, you know, he hardly knew the playbook and all that. So it, it was a rough transition. But, you know, he was signed as a free agent, you know. So uh, he, he, he's familiar with the playbook. I'm sure that he can, he can step right in, um, you know, and play, you know, 50, 60% of snaps. Okay, Nelson Aguilar has a pretty good matchup. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I meant to talk about Robbie Anderson, right? Uh, now, if Sam Darnold plays this week, it's going to be hard to keep Robbie on your bench against the Eagles. He will see the better outside corner of the two in, Res- in Rasul Douglas, but I think the term better is relative because this defense is terrible. Um, now, Douglas last week did do a good job against MVS, uh, but I think the difference is that there's no reason why you wouldn't pass it to Devontae Adams on the other side of the field when Sidney Jones was giving up so much damn room to operate. The Eagles have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers on the perimeter. You know, Robbie runs 84% of his routes on the perimeter. So even if Luke Falk is under center, uh, I think we can be encouraged by the six-target, four-reception for 81-yard game they had together in Week 2 against the Browns uh, when Luke Falk just had to come in, uh, you, you know, after Trevor, Trevor Simeon I think broke his ankle, I think it was. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm likely putting Robbie in my lineup this week as, as a flex option who obviously has uh, tremendous upside. Nelson Aguilar uh, has a pretty good matchup against the Jets. The slot continues to be a problem for them this year, uh, you know, even though they got rid of Buster Screen. Uh, but still, um, it, they're, they're giving up fantasy points to the slot wide receiver, uh, eighth most fantasy points to slot wide receivers this year. And like I said before, with Alshon Jeffrey, they had a bye. So they're giving up a ton of points. If Deshaun Jackson is back next week, uh, this week, I'm not sure I'd trust Aguilar. Uh, and I would really only play him for upside. Either way. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, he runs most of his routes on the left side of the perimeter, uh, where the Ravens are giving up the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. So he's on a good He's on a roll right now, right, with Rudolph as his quarterback, uh, Juju getting the defensive attention. So I think he's a flex start this week with upside. Remember, the Ravens aren't who they were in years past. Um, okay, guys, I'm tempering my expectations on running backs. Todd Gurley, it, it's tough to feel confident in Gurley's volume so far. Uh, you know, seven catches last week seemed hopeful. 
Jared Goff did throw the ball 68 times, though, so that's not going to happen so often. The Seahawks have actually been pretty good against the run. They're, they're giving up less than four yards per carry, uh, giving up the seventh least, least rushing yards this year. If, if the Rams choose to use Gurley in the passing game tonight, uh, it can succeed. Both David Johnson and Alvin Kamara had over 90 yards receiving each on eight and nine receptions, respectively. So this week, he's a, he's a mid-RB2. Joe Mixon, uh, you know, Cincinnati has its offensive line issues, but Mixon, he's been kind of making the most of it. You know, he's been relatively effective with the volume he's had over the last two weeks. Uh, the offense was terrible in Pittsburgh. I think that was primetime Andy Dalton on the road, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, this week, the Bengals are at home against a bad Cardinals defense. You know, there will likely be a lot of passing in this game, and I think goal line chances can present themselves to Mixon with the Bengals most likely being able to move the ball through the air. Uh, he is a mid RB2 this week as well. Um, Wayne Gallman, his usage in the passing game last week was pretty encouraging. I think he can likely maintain you know, somewhat of a high floor because of it, especially in PPR leagues, but the Vikings are not going to make it easy. There are two issues in this game. One is that Gallman might not get rushing volume against the Vikings, you know, because you know the Vikings might go up in that game and they chose they choose to just pass to kind of keep up. Um, and, and the other issue is that you know it's a tough defense to run against, right? They've been forcing running backs significantly under four yards per carry. Uh, if he gets another seven targets, though, <laughs> you know his day can be saved. So I'm starting him as a flex option if you need to. Le'Veon Bell, uh, obviously start to most, right? If not all. Um, you know, but you might think about it. You know, it's it's something on your mind. Like, should I start him uh, against the Eagles? Um, and I get it, but I just want to assure you that, you know, you should still start him. <laughs> obviously, the offense is struggling. Uh, tough matchup on the ground. Uh, but I think he'll be involved enough in the passing game for a very high floor. He gets a ton of touches. Um, you know, Philly is just ridiculously tough to run the ball against. I think no running back was able to put up more than 36 yards on the ground against them. You know, however, you know, when you look at the passing game numbers, Chris Thompson, uh, even Darius Geis, uh, Freeman, Aaron Jones, they had decent games through the air, and that's the hope that Bell has in this game. So I'm not benching him for anyone in, in a normal size league. Uh, we just have to temper expectations. Uh, and yeah, if Sam Darnold does come back, he does he gets a bump. Devontae Freeman, uh, Ido Smith has seen 100% of the Falcons' goal line carries so far this year. Uh, and if that continues, obviously it's going to limit Freeman's upside. Uh, he had a big game, uh, big receiving game last week. It's probably a good time to sell now <laughs> because of that before Sunday's game. Uh, Freeman outtouched Ido Smith by a ton last week, but it's possible that split gets a little closer uh, if the Falcons aren't completely out of the game like they were last week against the Titans, and maybe they were limiting limiting Ito because of that concussion the, the week prior. Um, the good news is that the Texans have given up the most receptions to running backs so far this year, uh, so Freeman can still return you know PPR RB two numbers this week. Okay, Derrick Henry has a tough matchup against the Bills, but he's been getting enough volume uh, that he's a tough sit with Josh Allen potentially out this week. Buffalo's offense might struggle enough to keep Tennessee in good position to score consistently. So, Derrick Henry, uh, RB2, easy. Frank Gore, uh, a ton of volume, uh, went over 100 yards against the Patriots last week. Um, this dude's career is such an anomaly. Like, it, it's so weird to like evaluate him week to week. Uh, but, you know, with the volume that he's been getting, I'm assuming Devin Singletary's out again because they have a bye next week. Why not rest him through that bye? I think Gore is still a play. 
um, even though it's a tough matchup. Uh, but with Allen out, I think, you know, he might not have as many running lanes as he did, you know, because of Allen being so mobile. Uh, but either way, I think he's like an RB3 flex play in, in a tough matchup. Okay, wide receivers that I'm tempering my expectations on. Marquise Brown, uh, the Steelers have given up a ton of points to wide receivers this season, but it's mainly from the slot. Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, Tyler Lockett, all had good games against the Steelers. And, you know, they've given up the most fantasy points to slot wide receivers, but the second least amount of fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. And Brown primarily lines up on the outside. Um, He does run routes from the slot around 30% of the time, so... He's going to have to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, with, with Marquise Brown, it really only takes one play. So if you had to sit him one week for a high floor option, this might be the week for that. Okay, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. It's tough to know what to expect from these two this week. Um, you know, they were in a prime spot last week against Houston. Uh, but they chose to feed Christian McCaffrey, you know, almost 40 touches, right? It was like 37 touches or something. And that volume... You know, for CMC would likely come down this week, I would think. But leaving more opportunity for these two wide receivers, hopefully. Um, and then th- the next battle is Jalen Ramsey potentially playing. And my guess is that he won't shadow uh, because they have two legit wide receivers. He'll probably stay on his side of the field where Samuel runs a majority of his routes from. So Moore lines up primarily on the left side where he'll, he'll see A.J. Bouye, who really hasn't been himself this year, honestly. Uh, between the two, I think Moore has the best matchup advantage. Uh, but Samuel has out-targeted more 14-7 uh, to 7 in Kyle Allen's two starts. So, you know, if you can avoid the uncertainty for these two this week, I would. But there's still upside because there, there have been some big wide receiver games against the Jaguars. Okay, Jarvis Landry uh, had a big game in a great matchup last week. And he should be able to get out of the concussion protocol, you know, in time for his game on Monday. But... We'll see. Uh, this week, he goes up against a 49ers team who is a lot more stout against slot wide receivers. Uh, but if you look back, Tyler Boyd was able to rack up 10 receptions against them in week two. Uh, but, you know, what we really have to pay attention to this week is whether Rashad Higgins makes his way back. Uh, because if he does, you know, Landry might get some targets taken away from him. Uh, also, you know, obviously you got Callaway coming back too. So you, you got to watch out for that. And, you know, Landry might not get those targets funneled in his direction. Amari Cooper. Alshon Jeffrey scored last week, but Kevin King had him on lockdown for most of the night. He was the one shadowing Jeffrey. Uh, He had nine targets. I think he only caught three of them. This week, Amari Cooper will either be shadowed by him, by King, or Alexander. Uh, Both provide tough matchups. Alexander shut down Emmanuel Sanders in week three as well. So, you know, Cooper can overcome these matchups, but it's a tough matchup. Uh, I think the Cowboys' game plan will probably be running Zeke into the ground against the Packers' terrible rush defense. Amari Cooper's going to be in my lineups, but I'm going to lower my expectations this week. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he gets a bump with Devontae Adams, likely missing this week, but he has a tough matchup, you know, seeing mostly Byron Jones on the left side. He'll have his opportunities against Chidobi Awuzie on the right side on around 35% of his routes. It's also possible... MVS kind of slides to that right side where Devontae Adams normally lines up, and he sees Awuzie most of the night, and that would be preferred. Um, but MVS is more of a potential volume play as the de facto number one wide receiver. Uh, Jake Kumaro will likely play in three wide receiver sets on the outside opposite MVS, 
Um, and he's back in practice, practicing in full. Uh, we know that he's been a favorite of Rodgers in the past, and he'll likely get some opportunity as well. Okay, DJ Chark. You know, I wasn't so high on DJ Chark, but, you know, watching him play over the last few weeks, he really grew on me, and he press, he impresses me more and more every game. Now, this past week, Chris Harris didn't shadow him, but he did catch a touchdown, which got called back. Um now, this week, he might not get the shadow from James Bradbury. I think it would make sense to shadow him, um, you know, especially with him being Gardner Minshew's favorite target. But, you know, I'll start Chark as a wide receiver three this week, but temper, tempering my expectations in a potential tough matchup if Bradbury chooses to shadow. By no means am I sitting Keaton Allen, but just want to point out that he'll probably be shadowed by Chris Harris. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, he Chris Harris... Uh, when he shadowed this year, he has not followed into the slot. And this is basically the opposite of what he was doing last season as he primarily defended slot wide receivers. So this means Allen will likely see him on about 50% of his routes and he'll be free of his coverage on the other 50%. With that being said, the Broncos have been pretty good against slot wide receivers this year overall. Um, obviously, you're not benching Allen. Uh, he can overcome any matchup. Uh, but you might want to temper your expectations and not be surprised uh, if he doesn't have the best game uh, of his career. <laughs> uh, Tyrell Williams, he's banged up. If he plays, he has a tough matchup where he primarily lines up against Prince Amukamara on the left side. Uh, he'll have less of a tough matchup on the other side against Kyle Fuller. You know, Williams, you know, if you look at where he's been running his routes, around 50% against Amukamara and the other 50% against you know, where Fuller lines up and where Buster's screen lines up in the slot. So it's not the worst matchup for him as long as the readers can keep Derek Carr upright. Okay, Juju Smith-Schuster, he has it rough right now. Uh, you know, news just came out that, you know, he did uh, re-aggravate that toe injury last week. Don't know how serious it is. Uh, but he has it rough right now with Mason Rudolph. Uh, turnaround is always possible. The Ravens haven't been good against slot wide receivers, giving up the six most fantasy points to the position. So, you want to hope for some more volume. And if that gets fixed, you should have Juju back, hopefully. Um, he is their best wide receiver on the team. There is hope, but, you know, there wasn't too much hope that you can get out of last week's matchup. Uh, especially because it was a good one. Okay, guys, I'm sitting. Uh, Josh Jacobs is the only running back that I'm kind of like, alright, I don't want to play him. <laughs> you know, Dalvin Cook took 14 carries for 35 yards last week. Aaron Jones went 13 for 39. Uh, you know, if Josh Jacobs was involved in the passing game, maybe we'd have some hope for the Bears giving up the fourth most receptions to running backs, but he's not. So we'll have to depend on him getting volume. Do you, do you expect Derek Carr to move the ball against his Bears defense to set up Jacobs in good position to score? I don't know. So if possible, I'm looking for other options. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, he had two touchdowns last week, but I think on only three targets. Um, you know, you might think about starting him this week, but without much volume, and he lines up on Tr Tredavious White's side uh, on, mo on a majority of his routes, so I'm going to leave him either on my bench or on the waiver wire. Terry McLaurin is great, but I just don't want to test Stephon Gilmore this week. Um, the QB situation is up in the air uh, in Washington. There could be a change mid-game once again that would definitely disrupt some continuity. Uh, with McLaurin recovering from a hamstring injury too, Things aren't really pointing to anything positive for McLaurin this week. I would just sit him. Uh, hopefully, the Redskins sit him too. 
because there's no point of him playing. I mean, I guess Jay Gruden wants him to play because he doesn't want to get fired, uh, but it's not the right thing to do. Hamstring injury, soft tissue, not a good idea. Okay, that's it. That's all I had, guys. Um, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, this was a, a special condensed <laughs> version of the podcast this week. Usually I like to do one running back podcast on Wednesday morning, one wide receiver podcast on Thursday morning, but had to put it all together today, uh, but got it out. Uh, if you guys have any questions, hit me up at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Uh, you could either hit, shoot me a DM. Hopefully, I'll respond. I mean, I'm flooded right now. But if you if you comment on the Start Sit article post on Instagram, there's almost a hundred percent chance that I will get back to you uh, before Sunday's games. So, well, hundred percent might be a little ambitious, but there's a really good chance I'll get back to you. So. Uh, hit me up over there, um, and I really, really, really appreciate you guys sticking with me through this whole podcast and uh, listening. I, I, I really appreciate it a ton, so thank you. Um, yeah, but you guys have a great weekend. Uh, I hope I'll, I'll be putting my DraftKings cash lineup on my Instagram story tomorrow on Friday, so if you want to dabble in some uh, 50-50s and double-ups on DraftKings, you can do that, um, and you can. I don't care if you just take my lineup and put it in, but obviously you have to know that like you might lose. <laughs> I'm not a DFS expert or claim to be one. I just uh, I like to play and I, I do so much research during the week that like hey like it just makes sense for me to to to, to put my money where my mouth is. So anyway, you guys have a great weekend. Um, enjoy tonight's game, Rams and Seahawks. That should be good, hopefully. Um, and enjoy the the games on Sunday. Talk to you soon. See ya.